1: Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Sitting across from me is Greg Smith. It's Nebraska's second bye week in four weeks, three weeks, four weeks, three weeks, three weeks. They had a, it. Was prior know, to Indiana. Time, time has stopped. Nebraska's bad. That's all that I know. It's not fun in Huskerland right now, um, but we've had a bye week reprieve. We get to. I've gotten to cover some basketball, some women's basketball. Uh, The men's basketball team didn't start so well. I thought it was going to be fun, and then it was not fun. (laughs) Um, Fun times around here. Nebraska fans cannot have nice things. Greg, how are you?
0: Uh, I'm pretty well, um, outside of all the things that you just laid out, because it does not make things fun uh, when all of that is happening. Um, But outside of that, I'm pretty good. Uh, You know, Lakers. (laughs) Lakers. I tried not to. LeBron, LeBron to. triple doubles. Yeah, those triple double streak we got going. The hashtag washed king, as he is like to say, he is all in on something that I'm not even sure I saw like actual legitimate people say. Yeah, I was like, I don't <laughs> know who called him washed. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that I mean, did like it, legitimate but, like, people. I'm yeah, that's why like, I said legitimate people. people. Like, yeah, not like random Twitter guy. Um, I think now I think that there are people that. Said that he was no longer the best player in the world, and that Kawhi Leonard had passed him, yada yada. Steph Curry, which is a lie, um, but oh, well, big lie, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, so I think that I think he took all of that personally, uh, and it, it helps quite a bit that he's healthy. <laughs> that I mean, I think we're seeing that, like health. If if he's healthy, he's gonna still be. If not the best player in the world, he's going to be in the conversation for sure for quite a while. MVP. I'm fine with it. MVP. He wins MVP. Anthony wins uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Like, come on, Ford. Let's do it. Um, Dwight Howard, comeback Player of the Year. (laughs)
1: Like, I could go down the line. Like, we could could make this happen. You're very happy right now. I'm glad that you guys have something to feel good about finally after how many, however many years? Too many years. Um, Okay, so you are on this podcast today to share with me three things that you would like to see over these last three games for Nebraska, not record related. So I can't would, say I'd like to see them win. Yeah. All you things. can't say I'd like to see three wins, <laughs> okay. uh, not record related. That would make you feel better than you feel now heading into the off season. Before we do that though, I have a question for you that I did not prepare you for okay, off the fine. cuff and well, we kind of talked about it a little bit before we got on mic. Joe Burrow right now is completing (laughs) 78.8% of his passes. This season for LSU, he's thrown 2,805 yards. He's at 10.8 yards per attempt, not completion, attempt. attempt. 30 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Adrian's numbers, not to pick on the guy, but these are Adrian's numbers, 59.5% completion rating, uh, 1,400 yards. 8.1 Eight point one yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, six picks, with two missed games. Right? He's played seven games, okay. so two missed games. Yeah, but I tried. I tried. You tried. Uh, what's the question? What do, you, what do you think? What do you think of those numbers? <laughs> uh,
0: it's like it's actually surprising. Like I knew that Joe Burrow was playing really well, um, and I've watched a couple of their games. So I've known he's played well, right? But that is a little startling to see like the gulf that's there between those two play because you would have, if before the season, if I had said one guy would have those, which numbers would those guys have, you would have said Adrian would have that first group. Like you wouldn't have thought, now maybe you wouldn't have thought that Joe would be as bad as Adrian has been at times this year. Um But I, I would have made a strong argument that those would be Adrian's
1: numbers coming into the season. The the number that uh, surprises me the most is his completion percentage, which it, it doesn't. Adrian's completion. Yeah, percentage. I shouldn't say surprising because we've wa- we've all watched the games, but um, surprising in the sense that like that wasn't at all the direction that I expected him to head because he was at like sixty five percent last 67. season. Um, you're supposed to go the other way. It w- everybody has talked about Burrow as it relates to Nebraska and all of the misfires that several coaching staffs had when it came to Joe Burrow. Um, He is now, if he's not the leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman race, he is in the top three, probably, top four. Same
0: for number one overall pick. (laughs) Yeah, uh,
1: and LSU is looking like one of the best teams in the country. Did Nebraska make a mistake? If so, who who gets the... um, The biggest share of the blame? Which coaching staff? I mean, it's hard to not say. Like, do you like this question first? Like, do you like that this is a topic that people are. Oh, no, I,
0: I legitimately dislike that it's a topic because that means that there's, like, like serious angst about the future of the quarterback position in Nebraska. Like, because, know what I mean, like, you wouldn't be having this discussion if, like, even if Joe Burrow was playing the way that he is, if Adrian was playing still really well but didn't have those numbers, you you wouldn't be having this
1: discussion. But you would have Joe Burrow for this year, and then you would have a groomed Adrian Martinez for three years. That's true. Right? Yeah, that's
0: true. But you also didn't know... Like, I guess I just feel like you didn't see this coming from Joe Burrow, that it would be this good. Like, I thought that he was a pretty good quarterback and that he would play fine. I didn't think that it would be like this. And so when we get to the the assignment of blame, I actually would blame Froststaff less than I would... Does, does this go back to Bo? Is this another one of those... It's so frustrating. Like, that is a, a whole different situation where I'm so frustrated. I mean, you can see it. Like, I'm so frustrated with the amount of things that we're still talking about as it relates to the Pellini era, which was two coaching uh, um, staffs ago. But I would actually put it more on them because Nebraska should have recruited him in the first place, given just given the like type of prospect that he was. Nebraska, like, struggling at quarterback for a while anyway, even though I think at that point you had Tommy Armstrong um, – and the fact that he's a program legacy, like you just bring guys like that into the program. Like it just doesn't make a lot of sense to let those guys go somewhere else, especially if that's somewhere else in the first place ends up being Ohio state. If he's good enough for urban Meyer, he's good enough to come play for Bo Pelini. So let's just put that out there. Um, so I put it more on them. I could at least understand why Frost didn't really go down that road. And And as far as I know, They really didn't kick the tires on him much at all. Like, it's not a situation where Frost went after Burrow and Burrow said no, he was going to LSU. Like, they did not really try. Um, And and most of that is to do with how strongly they felt about Adrian Martinez. Um, Still, I would put more of that on Polini's
1: staff than I would on Frost. I wonder if that's a game day topic. That... look at what's happening to Nebraska. Joe Burrow could have gone to Nebraska. Not not necessarily like they're going to spend a good deal of time on it, but I do wonder if it gets mentioned. Didn't they talk to him about that? I don't know what that would
0: have been for. I feel like I remember seeing a thing on ESPN about asking him about Nebraska and how yeah. much they had interest in him, and he kind of laughed and said none. Oh. But I don't know if yeah. – I don't think that that was, was this
1: staff. I think this it was he was talking about the previous – It was uh, – I think it was Rinaldi sitting across from him, and he yeah. asked if Nebraska recruited him, and Joe said nope. Yeah, I think that that was out of high school is what he was talking about in that case, which –
0: if you, I, I would love to get Joe Burrow's candid thoughts about that though, like essentially being passed over twice. Yeah, I get I'd be pretty interested to know
1: what he really thought about that because yeah. my guess is <laughs> he's not thrilled about it. And when I have some nice words, it's so. one of those situations where you know hindsight is always twenty twenty, and like you said, like nobody could have known that he was going to be this. Like, yeah. If Ohio State knew that he was going to be this, maybe Ohio State doesn't let him go, right? Right, right. um. And this is only happening because Adrian is struggling. But it's just – it sucks that these kinds of conversations continue to to happen of like, hey, look at that guy that Nebraska missed out on that's doing this big thing. Like LSU Alabama is, uh, has like 600 media credentials this week for that game. Um, maybe a playoff preview game. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, how do you feel – okay, another off-topic question. How do you feel about two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams being – the, the top four in the college football playoff. I'm fine with it. I think that those are, I think that those are the four best teams.
0: Like, and so I was totally fine with that. Yep. The only thing that I, I dislike and kind of move, like thinking about all of that to the future is I feel like, and you kind of hit it, like the talk about LSU and Bama still getting in despite, who wins this game on Saturday. I feel like there's a lot of that talk and not so much that same talk about the Ohio state Penn state matchup in a couple of weeks or whatever that game is like, and I get it. It's a whole, the sec thing. And you know, they get the benefit of the doubt and all of that, but I don't know that that should necessarily be the case. Now I'll be curious when we get to that game and both of them are still undefeated. And I assume they will be that if you still have that talk, the same way we do with Alabama LSU.
1: So I loved the rankings. Oh, and I especially loved Clemson not being in. I, I liked that, yeah. <laughs> the ACC's bad, and Clemson has been bad, and, and and they finally are starting to pay for it a little bit. And you, you can make the case for Alabama, too, with their strength of schedule, mm-hmm. that, that them being where they are is um, maybe payment a little bit for the way that they've scheduled I thought Minnesota at 17 was was right where I expected you guys before. We're talking about you thought Minnesota might be near 10. Yeah, I said 10. They haven't played anybody, so being at 17, I thought thought around 15, being around Uh 17 is fine. The one that I did not like, and it's going to sound like I'm being a homer, but how does Utah, with a loss to USC, an unranked USC team ahead of Oklahoma, with a loss to a ranked Kansas State team? How does that make any sense? First of all, I keep forgetting that Kansas State is
0: ranked. Um, second of all, like that does not make a lot of sense. Like it really doesn't. Kansas um, State's 16th in the initial CFP poll. It's a whole different thing because a, a lot of Husker fans. That is that that Kansas State program has become like the envy of Husker fans at this point because of what their staff is doing in short order down there. Bring Bill Snyder on as a consultant here, then. Oh boy! No, you know you got to bring Barry Alvarez over as a consultant to come back home no, since he it's took it's not everything to Wisconsin. It's not oh boy! Um, but back to your original point. No, that is weird. I think that that is um, that's not right. But and no,
1: but it'll take care of itself. Like I'm not I mean, probably, that concerned yeah. about. The that. top four was great though. Uh, I think Penn State is one of the, the four best teams in the country right now, so they deserve to be. And that it was good to see that. Um, okay, let's get to the three things that you want to see. So. Nebraska has, a, like, a puncher's chance at at getting to a bowl game. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not a totally lost season. Um, I've kind of kicked, kicked the tires on, you know, what a, a tank would be like over these last three games just to try to get a bunch of young players in. You actually wrote on the mailbag that you don't want to see a bunch of young players, which I found interesting. We yeah. can get into that if you want to. Yeah, okay. But okay. Um, your, your first thing that – Would show you progress, show you optimism, show you um, that there has been improvement over these last three games that you want to see. It actually relates to what we started talking about,
0: Adrian Martinez. I want to see Adrian Martinez get back on track and even break out. As we go down the stretch here, because to me, I, one of the things that I, I find fascinating about this season and where the discussion around quarterback is going, and you got a question yesterday to Scott, um, even about like the gap closing, I think it was, is how it was phrased with the quarterbacks, is the, the longer that Adrian Martinez struggles, the more questions there are about that gap closing, but also about a quarterback competition going into next spring and fall. And that's not good. Like I have made, I've maintained and I've been very clear on this that I don't think that that's anything that anyone should be rooting for or should be hoping to see or hoping to say, hey, competition is good at different positions and all of that because you, you need to hold people's feet to the fire and all that. I, d- a I don't believe that at quarterback. No. I don't. You need, what I think you need to see from Nebraska and specifically AJ Martinez is for him to get back on track and give the fan base optimism that he's going to return to the form or become the form of the guy that you thought you are getting coming into this season next year because that raises the ceiling for this program and this team and it makes you feel a lot better heading into the off season. like you i, I if we're talking at the end of, after the iowa game about how one of the big key questions going into next spring is who's going to be the quarterback that's not a good thing at all Like, I don't think that should, if if that happens, I think that as well as those other guys played in spurts, um, I still think that you need Adrian Martinez to be the guy that takes Nebraska to another
1: level based on what his ceiling is compared to those other guys right now. When you look at his play over the last few games as he came back, how much of it do you attribute to confidence?
0: A, A lot of it. Because
1: I don't, th- I you don't, I don't, to me he doesn't look like
0: a confident player, and part of that is is just in his throws that are not. Like they're not difficult throws, so like when guys are wide open and he like short arms it and it it bounces into them. There were a couple of those in the game last week. When guys are wide open and he air mails them, we we've seen that. Or when guys are coming open and he's not making that decision quickly, um, he's a different quarterback than when they. It looks like they've designed run plays for him and he knows exactly what he wants to do. And I think that that's in large part is that he has a lot more confidence right now in his ability to run the ball, especially when they call them, not just because it also, you see that on scrambles. Like he's not scrambling as quickly as you would even want him to. Um, So I think a lot of this, it comes down to confidence right now.
1: Should we go to your number two, or do you want to talk about my number one first? Let's talk about your number one. I don't think we're going to have a ton of overlap because I don't have Adrian on my list. Okay. So my, my first one is I want to see them run the ball more effectively outside of Wandale in the quarterback run game. So Wandale is under four yards of carry right now um he's got 85 carries on the season you just like I do like, uh, I wrote about I, that in the mailbag I hate, too like I, I,
0: I, I don't like that at all yeah that well that was one of my takes <laughs> after the,
1: the Purdue game is I don't like his usage because the 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 perimeter stuff that they've got him doing J.D. Spielman could do the exact same thing you could cut some carries down there and I don't like just running him up the middle and slamming him into an offensive line and saying okay beat These three defensive linemen that are twice, sometimes three times your size, and then create space after the fact. No, you were supposed to create space for him to then have room to do all the stuff that he does. It would be totally different if Nebraska had a really
0: good offensive line. You could use him as that change of pace guy for
1: like 10 runs a game.
0: But even then, I'm not advocating them run him 22 times in a game. The
1: the biggest problem with the run game right now, if you take the quarterback run out of it, is that Nebraska had Maurice Washington, who could create where there was nothing. So, like, And we talked about this a ton. There would be no space to run up the middle Mm -hmm. early when he was playing, and he would be able, because of his natural ability, to bounce things outside, beat guys to the edges, and then get upfield and get some positive yardage. With him now out of the equation it kind of feels like Scott Frost has said, okay, Wanda Robinson, do that same thing. Like, right. he's smaller. He's, he, he, I mean, Mo wasn't great for that role either because he was getting broken constantly. Yeah. But, like, it it feels like Wandale is basically the guy of, like, okay, compensate for our offensive line issues. Yeah, I think and, that's a and, great way to put it. And he hasn't been able to because the offensive line continues to be crap. But I just, it, it, and I don't know how successful it's going to be because Dedrick Mills... Like I wrote over the last two games, has is at three point four yards per carry, which isn't great. But he's also only got fourteen carries. I was gonna say it can't be very many carries. He's got fourteen carries, and Wandale has thirty four. Those need to be flipped. Yes, they do. And um, it
0: also his wants his being Wandale. Wandale for me, his. Um, Running attempts and his passing targets to me almost need to be flipped. I think it's forty catches, maybe that he has on the season, um, and eighty-five rushes. Like to me, that needs to be flipped. And I, I like, I hate going there with the comparisons to Rondale Moore. Um, but actually, in terms of their usage um, and how Jeff Brom uses more, or used him last year before he was injured. Like I actually think that needs to be the exact
1: blueprint for how they use Wando. And I don't really know why it isn't. I don't like, either. It, is it because they don't have Maurice Washington? Is it because the offensive line is as bad as it has been? So he's just trying to, to find a way to compensate somewhere? See, I think like,
0: that they, he does—Wondell does some really nice things as a running back, and he's he's a good running back. The problem is is they don't create enough space consistently to keep him from taking huge shots on a consistent basis. And there are some natural things he does as a running back. And Greg Austin has mentioned this before about um, his vision and his ability to get skinny in a hole. And he likes to see him back there at, at running back. But I think their infatuation with putting him back there because he can do it and he can create is to his detriment. I think I, I completely agree with you that that is a big key of them trying to establish a run game outside of Wandale and Adrian. Like, they have to figure that out.
1: Yeah, so whether that is, you know, they move some pieces on the offensive line and figure something out on the offensive line, or Dedrick Mills gets some, gets some, some burn and, and he figures something out. Either way, like, it, it would go a long way heading into the next season in terms of perception if they could start running the ball a little bit better because their ground... Brandon Vogel tallied the numbers, and I think they're averaging like five or six yards per carry on quarterback runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but running back stuff is down in the threes. That's so they, they've got to find a way to fix that. That's 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 the number one thing that I want to see. What's your number two? My number two thing, and I'm going to stick with the
0: offense. And it's weird because two of my three are, are offensive and the other one is a little bit off Same. the beaten path. Um, in that I I want to see Nebraska's pace return. Um, and stay. <laughs> like, I wanted to go come in for, like, two series and then go back away. Like, the version of Nebraska's offense that we saw with Noah Vedrill in the, what, Indiana game? in the, To start off that game is the version of this offense that I want to be there all the time. Like, where you're snapping the ball as, as quickly as you can and you're getting up there. Like, I, I wish I had looked up the number ahead of time, but I saw the graphic about, like, the top five teams in the country and, like, how little time they take between snaps UCF is still way up there um and now it the name it just escaped me maybe it's either Wake Forest or NC State is number one well Wake is really yeah maybe it's Wake and there it was 20 seconds in between snaps like I want Nebraska in that top five group I don't know if you'll get there this year but I want to see them getting closer to that because I think that that is can be an equalizer for this offense, and that wearing down a defense, and then letting your offensive line then wear on those guys that are now tired. Um, I think seeing more of that pace would really help this offense, but. I don't know if you can do that if
1: you don't have the full confidence in everything that's happening out there on the field. Okay, question for you: Why has not? Why has that not been the case? Because the contrast between Indiana with Noah Vedral and then Purdue a week later with Adrian Martinez in terms of pace and the, and the quickness between snaps was stark.
0: I don't know because I wouldn't even say, like normally what I would say is it had to do with getting that first first down or getting positive yardage on first down. But I don't even think it was that because they were moving the ball with Adrian Martinez to start that game against Purdue as well, and they weren't doing it. Like I just I don't understand it maybe that is so maybe that's something that we need to get inside of with Walters the well no, we're not talking to them again this week right I keep losing track of what day this is next week um maybe get into with Walters or Frost or whoever about the pace of the offense because there it I mean it was a noticeable difference um and I think that that can be a real weapon and an advantage and that's supposed to be part of what this offense does um, and we just haven't seen enough of that I would like for them to get back to that.
1: We might go all six without having any overlap, which is kind of cool, but also says bad things about the team. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to see I want to see them find one non-JD Spielman wideout, just one. I just want to see one. Figure something out.
0: Okay.
1: They don't have they don't have like who is the non-JD wideout that comes to your mind when you think of like okay when JD leaves that's the guy and Wondell doesn't count. It, exactly yeah I mean honestly I
0: don't know who that like because I would almost say but you can't do that either I was going to say I would almost say Jack Stoll it has to be a tight no, end that's but tight even end. that like, count. but it doesn't count anyway
1: I don't I don't know that's a good question this is a bad situation that's not good no it, and I wrote in the mail and you kind of gave me the, the eyeball emoji to what I wrote in the mailbag I don't I don't have any like inside information mm-hmm. as to whether J.D. Spielman is leaving or not I think he should like another year of this is going to tank his draft stock.
0: I mean, I don't think, I actually don't think it's the worst idea for him in the world, Um, but it would absolutely force them to figure out what's happening at the wide receiver position. And I I still think, and this goes in a little bit into my third thing, but I, I, I won't totally give it away. I still think that what's happening at wide receiver is a little bit of a symptom of them being the staff, not, understanding what they needed to have outside in this conference and i think that 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 is you can say hey that kind of stinks that they didn't recognize that right away but I think that there are signs that, that they're adjusting to that. Um, and it is actually something that Jacob said, like in the preseason, that they do have a lot of wide receivers that do the same thing. You said it. Too. Excuse you. Uh, and so and and I honestly <laughs> and, and knowing what I still kind of think about that, I would guess that when you both of you posed that to me in the preseason, I kind of shrugged it off. Yep. Because. I didn't think it would be an issue. Like, I thought that they would have guys It would look like it did at UCF where guys are streaking down the field, they're scheming guys open. Um, You're also using them in the wide receiver run game and some option stuff. And they don't do that either now. (laughs) Um, And when guys are streaking open, they're not being found. Either they're not just being seen completely or they're being missed with throws. So, like, the scheme, by the way, is still working, which is something that is a whole other topic of conversation of people now. It seems like they've made up their minds that the scheme won't work in the Big Ten, which I think is false. I think the scheme is working. It's that the execution is not working. But back to the actual wide receivers, yes, they need to find another guy because I honestly still, after all that talk, and you can't think of who I would feel comfort, confident saying is that next guy. Who is it? I don't I don't know. Without naming someone who's not on campus yet. Yeah, yeah like, I, don't, I don't know. The, the because like, because
1: is, like does Darian Chase come to your mind?
0: He did not, but he might be the leader in the club. Yeah.
1: Um Jamie Nance got off Scout team this week, which was cool to see. Yeah. He is a name that comes to mind for me. I'm still frustrated by that situation because I don't understand
0: how you but, early but that's, enroll That's the point. Scout team. Those
1: guys haven't had a, those guys haven't had opportunity. Yeah. Not even like they've been out there and they haven't made plays, they haven't had opportunity. So we have no idea what is up with this wide receiver room. I just want them to find one guy. That would go a long way towards helping them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would. And and it's also, like, because the other thing that this offense was supposed to do is is you were supposed to have to worry about everyone that's out there because your quarterback is such a good decision maker and he's seeing the field and all of that. Um, but you're not seeing that either. You remember
1: my um, my first column of the season, what I wrote about? I do not. It was uh, very well received. It was about Nebraska's death lineup. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that lineup was... Maurice Washington and Wando Robinson on the field together. Mm-hmm. Washington is now out of the picture, and Wando doesn't get to do the duck art thing. Jack Stoll, who can't can't seems can't to be losing
0: football. time
1: to Austin Allen by the minute. Um, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> okay. um, JD Spillman, who has been JD, and then Conover Noah, who either isn't getting found or isn't making catches.
0: But has he been better? I think he's been recently. better. I think he has been better reasons to done. give him that credit.
1: I think all, all season long he's been a really really good perimeter blocker mm-hmm. and I think he's he's getting better um partially because he's just getting more chances. He's yeah. getting the ball thrown to him a little bit more I agree with that. So Okay, we are to your number
0: 3. So, I alluded to this a little bit and it is it's I want to see the adjustments in recruiting. Um and part of that and I think the the biggest one think the biggest one that, and the easiest way to see this is what's happening at wide receiver and if they ever decide to really and i don't want to say if they ever because i think they are doing this i should say that differently they are doing this they are targeting an increasing number of bigger wide receivers, because I honestly do think that they came in thinking that our system is the system. It will scheme guys open. It won't matter if they're, um, smaller guys. Um, our scheme will take care of it. Plus within our scheme, we like to have those guys that can be more of that combo wide receiver running back because we're also going to use them in the run game. Um, and a whole bunch of that has not come to fruition and part and partially why it has not come to fruition is is you realize in this conference that you're playing say Michigan State and Iowa and now Indiana because Tom Allen is a good defensive coach and just a good coach in general um you're playing Iowa before you even get to Ohio State right Michigan you played last year where they all Wisconsin where they all have big physical cornerbacks that are going to make life really hard on smaller wide receivers. So I think that seeing those types of adjustments, I think that you're also seeing um, adjustments in offensive line. And I think that going forward, you're going to see more... You know, Ready-made is not the right term, but like closer to being ready right away. Offensive linemen um, coming into the program, I think you'll see that at the linebacker position, where the guys are just going to be bigger and more physically developed as they come in. Now you're always going to have to get like um, a guy like that just came up today because he told me he's taking an official visit, Jamari Butler um, out of Alabama, where he's like I think he's 6'5", 210 is what he's listed at, which means he's a little bit lighter than that. He hasn't been playing football. Before. Very long, but he's super athletic and he has a great frame to build on. You're always going to have to find those types of guys um, because you're just not going to recruit at the elite level to bring in those three, four outside linebackers on a consistent basis. But what you can do is find the Blaze Guttersons of the world who's already six five, six four, you know, two hundred and fifty pounds. Right? You're going to have to bring those get more of those guys into the program um, because otherwise, they're just not going to see the field for three years. And then you're just going to have constant questions about where is player X, which is what they're having
1: already right now with the four-game redshirt rule especially. Where is Jackson Hanna? Dude, that's one of the strangest, uh, like not to derail this conversation, but that's one of the strangest storylines this season. He's not even traveling with them. They are traveling with walk on true freshmen over Jackson Hannah. So
0: Luke Reimer has been traveling. He's already burned with them, his richer. Yeah, he's been. I think he actually could be a steal. Like, you're going to look up, and I feel like in like a year or two, he's going to be on scholarship. Like, um, Garrett
1: Snodgrass got on the field before
0: Jackson Hannah. Happy for Hannah. Garrett. Um, and Nick Henrich has traveled, right? He has traveled. He traveled. And it actually, you led perfectly into something else that I've written about a little bit here recently as it relates to this recruiting class. Linebacker is the number one priority. I've been saying that all cycle. It has not changed. But inside linebacker, uh, like young inside linebackers already in the program is not in a bad position. So you just named a bunch of them. So if you have Nick Henrich and you have Garrett Snodgrass and you have Luke Reimer, we got to find out what's happening with Jackson Hanna. Like, I, I don't want to say like he's done or anything like that, but we just don't hear anything about him. Um, I don't, I haven't noticed if he's been on scout team or if he's been like on the regular he, side or he, not. He wears
1: number 10. And he's he, is number t- he is number 10. He is number that 10. Number, yeah. That's his number.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting linebacker number. You better be really good. <laughs> You're wearing number ten. What that's
1: the right defensive thing. guys in the front seven wearing single digit. I guess ten works too, but single digit numbers is like a top five favorite thing in college football for me, yeah. or just football in general. They just if always seem an, badass. If you get, like, like, a, like a, an edge rusher that's, like, number two, mm-hmm. I'm all about that. Or
0: Jakeem Green at number four.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, you, that do works. you remember... Okay, this is a Florida guy a couple years ago. Do you remember Dominique Easley? The name sounds familiar. Who... It, seven? What's he number? Seven? No, 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 He started... He was number 73. He started as a nose tackle, and then they kicked him outside. He lost a ton of weight, changed his number to number two, and he was a force. Okay. And that he, works. you get... This okay this is totally creepy, <laughs> you get those re- right. revo speed helmets with like the oh, full boy. cage yeah. the full cage face mask yeah dark yeah okay that is that How is, to that. create a terrifying defensive lineman yeah. just on aesthetics yeah small number full cage face mask big guy big guy okay. little little me. shoulder pads <laughs> with the with the really <laughs> tiny shoulder pads okay give damian jackson number 2 Throw him out there on the edge. He would be terrified. With one of those like smoke um, visor things in his helmet (laughs) and a full cage face mask.
0: It's a great. No one is gonna want to guard that dude. (laughs) It really is.
1: It's the uh, it's the Sean Oakman Baylor thing. Oh yeah, yeah. From however many years ago that was. I actually don't think we should mention him. I don't. I I,
0: think. Well, yeah, yeah. We can. It's fine. Who are we talking
1: about? Linebacker. Okay, which leads into my it leads into my third point, so we can continue talking about linebackers.
0: Yeah, so but 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 on the other side of that, two sides of the same coin with linebacker, they still need to bring in more outside linebackers. And they still need to bring in more inside linebackers because you gotta get your numbers up and you want more guys in the program that you feel good about, but they desperately need more like athletic outside linebackers that can both hold up against the run and get after the quarterback. Like Blaze Gunnerson is good, I like him a lot. He's not enough. You need more of that.
1: They also need inside linebackers that can cover.
0: Yes, which is, it's it's something that I've made a, it's just been a mental note that probably is too inside baseball, but i uh, give you an insight to my mind. When Nebraska offers linebackers, inside linebackers now, one of my first things now that I'm looking for is how they are in coverage and just how they are in space, which is a change because it had, it was really before that, is how good of a runner-hitter are they? How, like, how much are they striking guys? Are they coming downhill um, in the run? And I think that we've seen a Enough evidence to know that, yeah, Nebraska has not stopped the run good enough or well enough, uh, but they're getting like just destroyed in the past game. And too many teams are finding it too easy to isolate their linebackers and coverage. Um, and it's just a matter of time before it happens each game.
1: Yeah. Um, so my third thing was improving the third down defense, okay. um, which, which sort of goes hand in hand with. Um, finding some guys that can they can cover in space at the inside linebacker spot. So Northern Illinois um was 20 uh, was 5 for 20 on third down. Um, and then a week later Illinois was 1 for 12 on third down. Um and then Ohio State came to town and basically broke Nebraska's defense and and uh wrote the playbook on how to attack Nebraska on third down. Um they went 10 for 13 on third. Northwestern which is with its offense went 5 for 16. Then Minnesota went 8 for 13. Indiana went seven for 13 Purdue went eight for 14 and and a lot of this stuff is is okay let's drop back where's the linebacker okay find him which is just
0: the pro to me that tells me the problem is twofold it is that Nebraska's linebackers are struggling mightily in coverage, but it's also that Nebraska doesn't get enough pressure to not allow a quarterback to just single Eagle. out linebackers. Like, yep. that generally is not your first read. Like, whoever the linebacker is covering, because they're not outside, yep. like, you're usually looking at your wide receivers and working outside in, sorry, outside in. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to ever make quarterbacks uncomfortable,
1: they would have a harder time doing that. The biggest disappointment this season has been the linebacker core overall. Like, like I thought this team last year was was strong, strongest in the secondary. Fine in the linebackers and bad on the defensive line. This year, I thought they were really, really good on the defensive line. I think they've been okay in the secondary. They've been awful at linebacker. Yeah. Like, like, and and both inside and outside, they've been really, really bad.
0: In and, and I think that while. People were afraid about the linebackers, but they were more afraid about, I, I thought about depth mm-hmm. where you thought, and I, I feel like we said this, that first group or your top line, two guys at inside linebacker, especially you thought, okay, they'll be really good there. I'm just nervous if you lose one of them or when you have to rotate other guys in, um, that hasn't even been the case. Like all of them have not been good. Uh, and, and, and Mo Berry's regression has it, it baffling even strong enough on what that's been like? And I feel like we talk a lot about like Adrian's regression on the other side, which I think is more easily explained than what's happened with Moberry. Yeah. And I think that he, I don't want to say he doesn't take any arrows from the fan base or from media because he does, but I think that we probably don't talk maybe even enough about where he was last year to what he's doing this year and how much we figured out that that is just absolutely destroying the defense.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: We have zero overlap. That's uh, impressive. That's interesting. That is impressive. Though I wish, so, okay, because I have a question for you because I know the answer for me. If So what's something that we didn't talk about necessarily in our three points that, needs to change for next year's defense to feel better about it throughout the season? A pass rush? That was my answer, too. Yeah, Because I feel like all the things that we've talked about with issues, the third down, um linebackers having to be out in space too much, uh, all of that, I think, comes back to, again, if they had pass rush and made quarterbacks uncomfortable. It's not even just sacking quarterbacks it's making them uncomfortable mm-hmm. making a guy when a third string quarterback comes into the damn game having him actually move his feet and not just stay in there in the pocket and survey the field like if you could ever do that That's how you rattle guys, and you end up, A, with more turnovers. It's more difficult. Like, the third string guy's not carving you up. Like, it's, yeah. And it also makes it so that your
1: your third down defense is a lot better because you can get to the quarterback, and you can either sack him or you can pressure or or, um, force Aaron throws. So your third down defense is better. So you're getting off the field more often. So you're not dead tired on that last drive (laughs) where you have no pass rush because you can't get off your block. Right. Like, I think that that is, and I
0: think that that's, and now listen, we've been talking about this for how many years? How many years have you been on the beat now?
1: This is my third year.
0: This is your third year. We've now been talking about pass rush for the last three years, at least, um, at Nebraska. Like, it is something that it just has to get fixed, because you obviously see the effects of not having that at all um, on a team. And they're not even getting, they're not getting home with your front three or four. Um, They're not getting home on blitzes. Like, none of it. Is working well. Like that has to get changed. Next year, that has to be something that's different because, and it's not that they have to be top five in sacks. They have to be better at just hurrying guys.
1: Put Ty Robinson on the field. Do it. Someone no, you can. don't want to see freshmen. <laughs> next year. He no, I'm w- talking about it now. No, no, no. Talk no, about these last year. three games. Next year. Put Ty Robinson on the field and Bryce Benhart on the field against Wisconsin and just see what happens.
0: No. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. No, you can you can ruin a guy by putting him out there too early. Can you ruin
1: a guy though? <laughs>
0: you could. It, well, no, I shouldn't say that as a blanket statement. It depends Dude. on what their mental makeup is, but Does
1: Bryce Benhart think right now that him that he is the difference between Nebraska performing at a top 10 offensive output level and what they're at now? Does Bryce Benhart really think that him right now is that big of a difference? Probably not. Because okay, so if he doesn't, then him going out there against Wisconsin, he is fully aware that this is a developmental stage. Learn, figure out how to go against those guys, see what it looks like at this speed at this level. There are, I have no problems with that whatsoever, and I don't think it wrecks his confidence. As as long as you go into it knowing this is developmental. We are not expecting you to fix all of our offensive issues right away. Yeah. If he knows that, there's no issue with it. Put him on the field. Same goes for Ty Robinson. Stay the course. Let's see them in 2020.
0: No, Ty didn't play a game this year. That if is that's a little the cons- case. Like, he not have played a about. game this year. Like that's a little weird. Um, but do you think that's the right course of action? At this point, yes. I don't think you panic. I think it's a little bit of a panic move if you just start throwing those guys out there now.
1: The staff is not one that strikes me as one is that it, wants is to it be perceived as panicking. Panic move, or is it an acknowledgement that hey, we got to try some different things? Yeah, but is you is, can frame it, you can package it. Different you ways.
0: you can, and and that's important. But is putting Ty Robinson out there for ten snaps, twelve snaps, going to be the difference in them winning the, the Wisconsin game?
1: No, it's not. But that's not the point.
0: But we're not tanking. We can't We can tank. They should. No, you can't tank because we still got a recruiting class they, to build. You still have, like, you need positive momentum. Like Yeah, but, like, gotta, what are you
1: selling to recruits right now? You can't sell, hey, we're going to let you have playing time because look at all the losses that we've incurred. Nobody has a starting job. You can come in and play right away. And then they'll be like, uh, no, I can't. <laughs> like. Fair Right. I, like putting Ty Robinson out there for twelve plays also isn't going to cost you thirty points against Wisconsin. Okay,
0: now that is true. Now I I do kind of subscribe to that school thought that that's not it, it's not going to make it so much worse, given what we've already seen anyway.
1: No. So the the benefit of fifteen plays so that he can see we keep what increasing this looks these like. plays. We went He's from 10, think, to okay, to 10, ten to 12 to <laughs> twelve. It's the same thing. Ten to twelve. We're talking about. We're, I mean, we're talking about an extra third of a series against wisconsin here like 10 to 12 plays is a short drive for them 15 is a regular drive (laughs) for them that's what we're talking about here fine 10 to 12 okay 10 to 12 so
0: one two drives give him two drives against wisconsin to save the legs what does that hurt
1: like i don't think it hurts anything he gets to know what this looks like he gets to know what the pace of this looks like he gets to know what is expected of him against one of the best teams in the division what's what's the harm there
0: so, and there well two things. One that if he's not well, this is not going to apply to him necessarily, but as a freshman in general, if they're not physically ready and could injure themselves, which I don't necessarily think applies to him or Bryce because they're big, um, it could wreck their confidence, even though you say it won't, or they could make a big mistake that costs them Bryce to the game.
1: Okay, so on on your first point, they're not physically ready. If I mean if we're talking about putting a six foot one two hundred pound defensive end out there. No, don't do that. But Ty Robinson is perfectly fine. Bryce Benhart is perfectly not not physically ready to be a starter. Yeah. But physically ready to handle twelve plays. Right? Uh, sure. Two, I don't think that's gonna wreck their confidence. As long as they know going into it that this is developmental and they're not expected to fix everything. What was your third? It could cost Nebraska the game, yeah. Unless you're playing Tyro, unless you're planning to play Ty Robinson as the edge setter on the Purdue end around, like, are you are you planning <laughs> on giving him plan. fourth quarter mid- snaps? Like, probably not. No.
0: I just, I'm just telling you, like, I've I've become a little more risk averse on just on throwing freshmen out
1: there. See, they gotta take more risks. No fear, of failure, dude. We can do a whole pot of them. no fear or failure. <laughs> Put Bryce Penhart on the field, kick Matt Farniak to guard. Who are you taking out then? Trent or Bo, whichever one, I don't care. <laughs> Pick a name out of that. I mean I mean really like, <laughs> like it hasn't been good. No, and that's like I, I it's 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 har it's harsh on those guys on the offensive line, but they've they're gonna have all five starters from this year coming back from next year. I don't think a single one of them has a starting job locked up.
0: How many of them do you think that are still there's five guys all returning next year how many of those spots are different
1: next year? I think hymas and Jurgens have their spot.
0: I would agree. I think that that's going to be a really really interesting storyline and where whereas I thought quarterback you don't want to have that be the case as we go into spring. I think the more you hear about competition on that offensive line next year, the better. And I think that people are going to be really skeptical yeah. on what they
1: hear about that offense. I, I like Matt as a person. Um, yeah, oh yeah. He's a he's a, a good really kid. good leader. He's a vocal yeah. leader. He's a good kid. But he this is this is going to be a very very important summer for him. Yeah, winter and summer. And I oh,
0: like and I'm going to put this out there now and wrap on this. I actually, if I'm him, I would maybe consider going to them and saying, "Let's start working me at guard and get Bryce ready." it's best for the team in the offensive line. Like, be the leader that falls on the sword. And also, this is just the way that I think, you're also falling on that sword early so that you can, like, solidify your own spot on that offensive line.
1: Yeah, it gives you a little bit of brownie points.
0: Yeah, like, I, I'm i just saying, like, I would do that. if it's I, better to <laughs> if fall I, on your sword early
1: than be stabbed with it later, right? It, 100%. Yeah, okay. Thanks for calling on the podcast Yeah, thanks for having me. That'll do it for this week. Uh, we will be back... Next week with another podcast from Nebraska Plays Wisconsin. Um, I will be privately rooting for Ty Robinson while Greg continues to hate on all of the freshmen in every single class that Nebraska signs for the rest Not of the time. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, men's basketball started up. Women's basketball started up. Jacob Padilla and I have coverage on, on both of them. Um, they played this weekend. Uh, volleyball continues. Jacob Padilla have coverage on that. So keep reading hillvarsity.com. Um, find, follow, rate, and review the podcast where you listen to it. Uh, We'll be back next week.